You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to episode 15 of Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays info right in your ears. I'm Ryan Andrews. I'm your host, and I'm feeling a lot better after a weekend away. Um, baseball didn't help much, but the cold is on the wane. I sound normal. I don't sound like I'm trying to eat an entire bag of Skittles all at once. So that's something to be happy about, at least for me and for you, I guess it's easier on your ears. Um, this is the Monday musings edition of Locked on Blue Jays. It's a tradition started by the original host, Sean Doyle, where, you know, after taking in a weekend of baseball, we just think about everything that's happened and what that means going forward. It it allows, you know, a couple games worth of data to be brought in and discussed. But before we get to the series against the Texas Rangers, which, uh, aside from Sunday's contest, was incredibly disappointing... The big news of the weekend came off the field for the Blue Jays with the demotion of Devin Travis. The second baseman was sent down to Buffalo on Saturday uh, to get Carlos Ramirez called up. Ramirez, the reliever who was really good last year, was almost scoreless for the entire season. He has been called up from Buffalo to give some help to that beleaguered Blue Jays bullpen, which we will be talking about this week because it is something that the team really needs to adjust. But for now, we'll focus on Travis, who, you know, this this was something that that was inevitable, I think. Uh, I remember before uh, other co- the other co-host, Ryan Miller, uh, went gallivanting off to the Dominican Republic, leaving me here to wait in the frigid rain of Nova Scotia. Um, before he went down, we were talking before the, the episode we recorded last week about how Devin Travis still had his option year, and we wondered if that would come into play for the Blue Jays, especially with the struggles he had at the plate to begin the season. Well, it did. It came in this weekend, and the way the John Gibbons described it, they had Guriel up. Guriel also had options, but Guriel can play multiple positions, whereas Devin Travis is primarily a second baseman. So in order to keep that versatility with the short bench that they're now going with, uh, Travis is the one who was jettisoned to Buffalo. And it makes sense when you look at the at the base stats for Devin Travis. A 148 batting average. He just hit his first home run in the series against Boston this week. Uh, a on-base percentage of 212 is not going to cut it. His, his weighted runs created, according to fan graphs, this season was 24. Sorry, 25. He, he went up a little bit. 25 runs created. Like, the average is 100. So to be one quarter of that is, is a remarkable achievement. Um, one that only 2017 Luke Maley can really surpass. But anyway, the... The thing, the thing about this demotion is, you know, because Devin Travis came onto the scene with such an explosion and was so good immediately for this Blue Jays team, was expected to be that offensive table setter for the Blue Jays for, like, years to come, seeing him get demoted like this was a shock to a good chunk of the fan base. They, they thought he'd be able to work through it, but with Guriel up and with Guriel offering more positional versatility, 
in the modern MLB, the versatility is more valuable than what the bat could potentially give. And with Travis not giving it during the first month, it made him more expendable. Now, I see this as good for Devin Travis. Like, he, he's he been struggling since the beginning of the year. And admittedly, it's nothing new for Devin Travis to be struggling to begin the middle of the year. In doing my research for this episode, I actually found a Fangraphs community post from last year. Uh, from May 5th of 2017, written up by the Kudzu Kid, who, great name. I I wish I could give more credit than that. But um, when he was looking at the uh, the estimated uh, WOBA, that's that's a figure that you know gets gets the uh, the number of hits you should have based on the launch angle and exit velocity of the ball when it leaves the bat. Um, he, he was playing around with that tool and, uh, when he was doing it last year, he found Devin Travis was robbed, uh, pretty much, uh, the difference between his projected WOBA and his actual WOBA after April of 2017, uh, was 134 percentage points, which was tops in the majors at that time. Only Joe Maurer all had more than a hundred at that point. And it contributed to a very similar start. Devin Travis was batting 148 at the end of April. Actually had a worse weighted runs created back then. It was 16. So this whole slow start is nothing new for Devin Travis. And I know it's something that's been used as an excuse for a lot of Blue Jays so far this year. Randall Grichuk, Russell Martin, Alemis Diaz, the like. They've all had slow starts and it's not new for them. But for for Devin Travis, especially for a guy who had so many injuries, it, it could have been expected, I guess, for him to be that kind of slow starter. But with with Guriel up and hitting, like Guriel also, he got his first home run during that Boston series, which which is great, great to see for him. And with Again, that short bench. You can't have a guy who's just locked into one position. You got you need guys who can play two, three, uh, in the case of Guriel, probably five positions. That's more valuable at this point. Like a, it's a team that's using Russell Martin as its backup infielder, which I I mean that that okay. Um not not a winning formula in my opinion, but hey, Martin can play third. That's that's great. Um but now back to Travis. Like the there were, there were other signs as, as opposed to last season where you, where you think, oh, it's Devin Travis. He'll just work it out. Um, there's been a noticeable uptick in Travis's strikeouts. Um, heading into this season, his previous high uh, for strikeouts per at-bat was about 20%, which is fine. Strikeout every five at-bats, you can, you can live with that. Uh, that rate spiked this year to 27.3%, according to Fangraphs, which is is unacceptable in this in this day and, and this big issue that we've had with the blue jays the past few years is too many strikeouts are not putting the the bat on the ball for travis to spike so uh so violently up up to past a quarter of their time and he's he's not walking to offset it his walk rate is also the lowest it's ever been at three percent like that that's an anemic ratio that's like that's T Oscar 
like bad T Oscar ratio. You cannot have that from a guy who you expect to be a leadoff man. I know Travis hasn't hasn't been leading off much this year because he has struggled. But for for a guy who's expected to set the table, you cannot just be sitting down. You can you can't even rob yourself of you of your wheels. Really, you have to be able to make some contact, and and the contact that Travis has made this year has hasn't been terrible. And like I'll go back to Fangraphs on this. Um, on the balls that he's actually hit, he's hitting a ground ball 62% of the time. That, that is, that is like insane. That is, you should not be killing that many worms with your bat. It's a severe spike from, from the previous high, which was 50%. But like the fact that he's hitting and he's not even able to use his wheels because it's it's medium contact 58% of the time according to Fangraphs which that that's like one two in the infielder's glove you can't beat that it's not like that slow soft roller that you might be able to force a Raphael Devers type to throw it away that that's an easy ground ball for the opposition and he's just getting retired immediately after that so in a, in addition to that we we talked about the strikeouts um, Travis is swinging at a lot, a lot more pitches and not getting the contact. His contact rate, uh, was consistent throughout his career heading into the season at 83%. That's, that's a pretty good rate. It's, it's fallen to 75% this season. He's just not seeing it. He's, he's giving pitchers swinging strikes 11% of the time. And, and he's swinging at pitches outside of the zone too. It's, it's another drop there. In, in contact made outside of the zone. He's, he's only making contact outside the zone 63% of the time. That's that's way too many swinging strikes to be giving up to the opposition. So when you add all this up, it's a guy who, who you can say has been pressing, who you can say has been trying to make stuff happen, but he he could use this, uh, this couple weeks in Buffalo to kind of reset, just refocus his eye at the plate, against some some weaker pitching and and just try and redevelop himself so when uh when the bullpen situation is a bit uh more flexible he can come back up and contribute to the team again because right right now he's not doing anything the the better lineup is with Lourdes Gurriel in there so yeah it's it's a painful demotion for Blue Jays fans who loved seeing what Devin Travis did during those playoff runs but it's a necessary one and we can only hope that Devin uses this to refocus and come back from Buffalo a stronger batter, more resemblant of the batter Blue Jays fans have come to see. So we'll talk about the Texas Rangers series and a big takeaway from that right after this. All right, let's talk about that Texas Rangers series because the first couple games were absolutely depressing to watch as a fan. I I was getting severe flashbacks to last year, just just watching these batters stumble out of the dugout to face the the face the Texas Rangers pitching staff, which I I mean we did we didn't even face Cole Hamels during this series, and and they just couldn't do anything. About against the starters that they they trotted out uh during the first couple games of this series and and it was just it it was so so tough to watch and i know i know they did eventually score runs off mike minor 
and they they smashed the heck out of Martin Perez on Sunday. But Martin Perez is not a good starting pitcher in this league. He has an ERA over nine. That is a guy who you should be lighting up. Do not take any credit for getting runs off him. And I know Bartolo Colon is a guy who almost perfected the Astros at age 44. That That's great. He, he still should not be baffling hitters like that. It, it, it was amazing to see guys just go up there and flail at everything that I know it's how Cologne has survived in this league. He's, he's not the power pitcher he was in the nineties and the two thousands when he was winning Cy Young's. He's gotten incredibly crafty. Like you went to that Greg Maddox school of pitching, but you, you have to start squaring him up better than that. You have, you have to just, just find, find some better location. The balls that they hit off Cologne were well hit balls. They were, they were hard hit. They were traveling far, but it was painful to watch Blue Jay hitter after Blue Jay hitter try and locate against Cologne and they could not do it. Like they just like, oh, he's from 44 year old junk. I'll just hit it. Oh, it's in the glove. What happened there? Like, like, I, 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 I like Bartolo Cologne just for his story and the fact he is out there at 44, but that when it's against your own team, it is, it is painful and the fact that the first two Blue Jays starters, Marcus Stroman and Jaime Garcia, could not match him, like, I, like the, the when I watched Garcia on Saturday, he was skipping so many balls in the dirt. Like I, I used the euphemism, it looked like he was playing cricket out there, which you're not gonna get guys to swing at those cricket pitches. They're they're not it's not gonna work. You have to be able to hit the glove. And Garcia was all over the place on Saturday with his four walks. And then and then Strowman, let's talk about Strowman. One walk on Friday is great. That that's what we wanted to see is Strowman cut down on the wildness, but eight hits, six earned runs. Like he, he was just getting lit up and he, he wasn't generating that soft contact that we're used to seeing out of Stroman. The balls were just getting wrapped all over the yard and and there was nothing the defense could do. It's the opposite of the Devin Travis problem. These weren't bouncing ground balls to, to the defenders. They were, they were lined. They were laced. He's getting squared up and and just batted around the park at this time. And I, I'm not sure if that's related to the changes he made in spring or if he made those changes to try and prevent what is happening with his stuff. But uh, Marcus Stroman needs to to study, study some tape and, and see what is happening here because the fact that he's unable to generate that soft contact that made him so successful as a starter in Major League Baseball is really troubling because, again, it's it's making him look like Martin Perez out there. And that is not good for anyone. And then one final thing I wanted to touch on from the Rangers series, and it, it's something that I saw just kind of took me out. I, I know I'm not talking about the good from Sunday. I'll, I'll say something about that at the end. And on a positive note. The at-bats that the Blue Jays took in the later stages of the Friday and the Saturday game were terrible. They, I, I get really frustrated when I see players offering at the first pitch without, especially to a new pitcher who you're not really familiar with. Like let's let's take Friday. Friday, Texas trotted out uh, Chris Martin, 
who returned from exile in Japan. And Keone Kella, their default closer, because someone has to do it in Texas. Chris Martin used 10 pitches to get out of his inning. And most of those went to Kendris Morales, who is the only batter showing any kind of patience late uh, by taking the walk off Chris Martin. The remaining three batters, Kevin Pillar, Russell Martin, Curtis Granderson, five pitches. Pop to second, ground out to the pitcher, ground out to the pitcher. Weak contact p- pitches, just just trying to jump on this guy with without letting him see what he was what he was about, like what he was doing. And Chris Martin got out of that inning faster than the speed of sound. And yes, I was waiting to work the Coldplay reference in there because how can you not when the guy's name is Chris Martin? If I didn't make a Coldplay reference there, I'd be yellow. There's two. All right. Moving on. Uh, Keone Kella. Again, Aledmus Diaz going up there. And Aledmus is starting to skate on thin ice as well. His batting average dropped below 180 after that Texas series. Again, first pitch. Just popped it up. Weak weak to shortstop. Steve Pierce, first pitch. Swinging. Fly ball. It was a well-hit fly ball. I, I can actually... I can't vault Steve Pierce as much for that. That was a well-hit ball. But, and then T. Oscar just just looked a bit overwhelmed in, in striking out there. So, again, it was such a weak effort late in a, ga- late in a winnable game. Like, Saturday, I could probably forgive that even more. But, but Pilar hit that home run to make it 7-4. You think you think something's happening, but again, Solarte second pitch, Guriel second pitch. Like these these guys are going up there and they're getting so aggressive that they're not they're not giving themselves a chance to see the pitcher and and to really work him enough to get him to the point where he makes that mistake fastball. He leaves a curveball hanging. You by being so hyper aggressive, they're taking away one of one of their advantages against these pitchers. And and I know I I'm basically advocating them to play like the Red Sox, which I I know. I'm disappointed in myself too. But the reason the Red Sox are successful is because they make pitchers work. They make them throw over and over again. So they take in that data, they tire the pitcher a bit, and then they can take advantage with singles and doubles and base runners. So you're not just hitting solo home runs because you can hit all the solo home runs you want. That means you need seven good swings instead of two. It it was frustrating to watch. And at, they did pull out of it on Sunday, thankfully. That, that was more enjoyable to see Martin Perez just get tooled all over the park. Um... But again, this is something that has to be the norm. They can't revert. They can't keep reverting back to this old Blue Jays mentality of, oh, let's jump, let's jump on the first foot. No, that's why pitchers work deep on you. That's why your pitchers don't work because everyone else is taking pitches and ma- and making Jaime Garcia throw strikes into the into the glove instead of bouncing it in front of home plate. I, I want to see a bit more patience from Blue Jays hitters. I want to see them make pitchers work. And they're they're going to have to do that uh, beginning this nine-game road trip, including the doubleheader against Cleveland to make up for, for all the shenanigans from April with the weather, which this, this 
I I I don't know how well I like the chances. We'll see Biagini up for that one, likely. So that'll that'll be fine. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm hoping. Like I mean, it's it's the Twins, the doubleheader against Cleveland, and then Tampa, who has all of a sudden morphed into World Series Tampa thanks to Denard Span. Which, if you predicted that at the beginning of April, come on this show and and tell me about it because I would like to get lottery numbers off you. But it's it's not going to be an easy road trip for the Blue Jays, and and they have to be able to work pitchers and make sure their pitchers don't have like can actually keep that bullpen fresh for the entire road trip because they are going to need it yesterday's start by Jay Happ was great I mean we've we've espoused our praise for Jay Happ on this podcast and it, it did not change with Sunday's performance an efficient seven innings giving up two runs striking out nine again amazing amazing performance and and again, the bullpen has been far better than the starting pitching has deserved this season, but they can't keep doing it forever. We started, we saw, we saw, um, we saw O give up that home run against the Rangers. So it's, they, they can't keep doing this to the bullpen. That that's going to be the key to having a winning record on this road trip, getting innings out of your starters and making their pitchers throw good pitches, making their pitchers tired and not giving them those easy one pitch outs, two pitch outs, like just sit back, make them pitch to you. And I'm sure we will be talking about much happier things during this road trip if they can do that. So I think that ends the Monday musings for uh, this episode. Uh, again, if you have any comments on things you hear on this podcast, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnJays, or you can hit me up personally at NeoAC18, that's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. Um, we will continue talking about the Blue Jays throughout this road trip. Again, hopefully we have better things to talk about than those first two games against Texas. But I look forward to coming back at you guys tomorrow, and uh, we'll probably talk about... Uh, Maybe we'll talk about Randall Gritchuk actually getting above 100 for a batting average. That was big. That happened on the weekend. That was great. Um, maybe we'll talk about some continued success from Teoscar Hernandez because, oh, Teoscar Hernandez looks good. Uh, big, big fan of him. We'll see. But until tomorrow, Blue Jays fans, I am Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Locked on Blue Jays. Take care.